The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and you're actually listening to our newest series. This is the Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio, debuting here live. It's Wednesday, October 1st, episode number one, and we are thrilled to launch this exciting new series, because who doesn't want to know more about what we call the IoT? So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Yes, you are. Let me get started. The buzz today, it's IoT. That's capital I, little o, capital capital T, Internet of Things. Let me tell you about it. The Internet of Things has replaced big data as today's most hyped technology. And you all know the buzz about big data. We've been hearing it for several years. But IoT is actually more than hype. It already penetrates every aspect of how we live, how we play, how we work. It's all around us. You may just not know how much it's there. Do you understand it yet? I'll give you a very simple, broken-down definition. IoT involves capturing making sense of and acting on data about the presence, the location, and the status of a thing or a person. Could be any machine around you or people around you. Some analysts in the tech industry have proclaimed that IoT is, get this, the new battleground for capturing user mindshare. That means reeling your customers in and finding out what they really need and what they really want. So to participate fully in today's digital ecosystem, your company needs the scale, the insight, and the agility to grow the business. We're going to talk about a lot of aspects of this, including something called API management. Let me get started introducing my panel of experts for our debut episode. First up is Craig McNeil. He is at Accenture Digital Mobility in North America and Global Mobility Strategy and Corporate Development. And Craig sent me the following quote from, hey, Craig, Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein is the most quoted person living or dead on all of our SAP radio shows. So this is a great quote. You have to learn the rules of the game and then you have to play better than anyone else. Craig McNeil at Accenture, welcome. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about this quote and how it relates to the Internet of Things coming to life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when we look at IoT, um, you know, we see a lot of clients out there and even some of our competition uh, trying to help enterprises uh, plug devices or machines, you know, into the Internet. And, and it's really, right now, it's phenomenal gains. Um, in, in efficiencies or, or cost savings. And we really think IoT is much bigger than some of these singular uh, use cases. Um, and we think the real benefit of IoT comes from these complete enterprise transformations. 
um, that leverage IoT to not only create savings, but really to, to drive new business and, and create new revenues. Um, so the formula, you know, or the rules for success in IoT, we, we think are pretty complex and, and complicated. And so we believe it's worth spending time really understanding uh, those rules and how to succeed uh, in transforming businesses. And we think that that's going to help us, uh, re- you know, really play the game of IoT much better than anyone else. Thank you very much, Craig. Great intro to our topic. I'm going to bring on our second panelist. It's Chet Kapoor at Apogee. And Chet sent me the following quote. By 2020, by the way, Chet, that's my favorite year. By 2020, there will be 50 billion connected devices. I said billion. Where you see a device, we see data, and we see APIs. Chet Kapoor, welcome to Internet of Things. How are you today? Phenomenal. <laughs> Chet, I've never had a guest say that out of about 900 guests on four years of SAP radio. Why are you phenomenal? I have to ask. It's, it's, it's a beautiful day here in New York, and it is uh, great to be talking about a subject like IoT. Wonderful. Well, talk to me then. We love the quote. Uh, 50 billion connected devices. What kinds of devices? Tell me a little more. So um, you think about the Internet of Things, and you, you think about what a thing is, right, because we all understand the Internet. Uh, the thing, if you break it down, is something that can compute, something that can do something, and something that can connect. If you break it down to that, you will realize that you are actually, there's a high likelihood that you at least have two things that can compute and connect on you right now. You're mm-hmm. probably wearing some kind of a fitness band somewhere. Um, you are probably have a phone with you. And those are, two, those are two things that you're carrying with you. So the IoT is happening today. Right, there are programmable light bulbs out there. Philips ships them all over the place. There's connected thermostats. Nest made a, a significant uh, entry into the market. So, IoT is happening in a great way in the consumer market today. What's not that obvious is that it's actually happening in the enterprise market as well. Like companies like Harley Davidson, you know, by embracing IoT, are now it's it's allowing them to manage. It's allowing them to manufacture a new motorcycle every 86 seconds. Wow. Right? Kaiser Permanente helps diabetics communicate and track their glucose levels through a wristband. Right? This connected app has the promise to empower patients, reduce the number of office visits, and most importantly, over a period of time, create a massive amount of predictive intelligence to enhance the treatment of the disease itself. Right? So there's... There's so much happening with IoT, not just in the consumer world, but a lot is starting to happen in the enterprise world it's, it, itself. I mean, there were, um, we recently had the I Love API conference, and we had uh, a dozen companies actually provide us with IoT demos. And SAP uh, demonstrated a vending machine that can change inventory prices based on contextual information. For hmm. example, increase the price of water if it is hot outside. Right. Wow. 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 That's, that, that's a, uh, that's a retailer's dream, isn't it? Okay. We're going to raise the price because we know you need it more, right? This, wow, Chet. That's, that's amazing. Chet, I just, I want to ask you one question. Great intro, by the way. We love case studies. We love examples. These are sound bites that our listeners can take away easily and say, I bet you didn't know whatever it is. Thank you. I have to ask you, can you give us a quick definition of APIs, please, since that's part of my intro, and I know you're going to be speaking a little bit about that in the roundtable later. Jet, how do we, in the simplest level, how do we describe an API? An API 
is a door, right? So if you think about it, it connects. In today's world, apps are the core construct. Everything is an app. Mm-hmm. Data is the currency. APIs delivers data to apps. So think of APIs as a doorway where you actually, it, it actually connects data directly to apps. Okay, I got it. Thank you very much. I'm going to bring on our third panelist. It's Darren Crowder. And Darren, I have to give you, a, give you a big shout out because you are the sponsor of this brand new series, The Internet of Things with Game Changers. I'm delighted to have you join us. Darren is a vice president and general manager of middleware for SAP. And Darren sent me the following quote from Tim Berners-Lee. And I'll tell you all who he is in case you don't know. The web as I envisaged it, we have not seen it yet. The future is still so much bigger than the past. And I'll just add that Tim Berners-Lee is actually Sir Timothy John Tim Berners-Lee. He's got so many letters after his name, I can't even keep up with him, but he's known as Tim BL, and he's an English computer scientist best known as the inventor of the World Wide Web. Nobody tell... Who is it? Dole? Uh, uh, Al Gore. Nobody tell Al Gore, please, that Tim Berners-Lee really started the World Wide Web because we don't want Al to feel bad. So, Darren Crowder, welcome. How are you today to your own debut? I'm absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for inviting me to this, Bonnie. We're, we're delighted to have you. So talk to me about this fabulous quote from Tim Berners-Lee. How does that relate to our Internet of Things comes to life, Darren? Well, picking up on what Craig and, and Chet have just spoken about, I think if we look at uh, where we are today with the Internet as we know it, with everyone being au fait with, uh, you know, purchasing things, uh, going on their web browser and, and doing just day-to-day kind of chores, understanding what you want to buy, maybe ordering shopping and things like that, that's all about to radically change. Uh, the launch last month of uh, Apple with the iWatch, there's a significant reason as to why technology like this is now started to be embraced in simple devices that we've all had for, for centuries, right, watches. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we're starting to see here is a trend towards the applications, as Chet mentioned, working with critical data, being integrated through these APIs very, very simplistically. So if you imagine what Apple has done for starters, if anyone's moved up to uh, iOS 6, They'll see there's an app called iHealth. On iHealth, you can put in your vital signs information. You can start understanding when you're going jogging, how you're exercising, all sorts of things like that. It can pick this information up. It can actually hold it as a, a critical piece of data in case, you know, heaven forbid something happens to you. There's vital signs information and data about your blood type and things like that already in your watch or on your phone. And that's something that obviously can be uh, of critical importance should anything happen to you, you know, in everyday life. Going beyond that, the other example that Chet spoke about, the uh, smart vending machine, this Mm -hmm. is a significant thing. In the the era of today where we have so many complex situations in people, you know, ranging from our kids to ourselves in terms of healthcare and and dietary uh, requirements and things like that, if we look at vending machines, you know, wouldn't you want to know that if your child goes out and, and you've given some pocket money, that when they go and spend it on some crisps or some chips uh, or whatever snack it is that they want to actually eat, when they go to that vending machine, maybe it picks up with the mobile device their profile and then automatically only allows them to select things that are actually adequate for them to be able to consume. In other words, if they've got gluten deficiency or something like that, Mm -hmm. they can really actually have the right things being delivered to them, right? And then going Mm. beyond that, connected cars. Connected cars really allow us to bring the next level of, of 
health and safety to organizations out there, right, to all of us, consumers, to corporates, to travel industry, going beyond what insurance companies are trying to do with just understanding how the, the style of driving happens. With connected cars, we can see things like little sensors and seatbelts that pull people together and really understand mm-hmm. vital sign information. Sweat control on the steering wheel to understand, you know, if you're really having a bad panic attack or something to that effect. Little uh, sensors that are on the windscreen that actually monitor your facial gestures to understand if you're in pain or if you're simply falling asleep at the wheel. These things can then do things proactively like slow the car down, put the hazard warning lights on. And if there, you know, be a bad situation where you're in need of some urgent attention, maybe notify straight over a wireless network over the cloud for your uh, 999 service and just be able to make people come to you in the quickest and most efficient way possible, therefore saving lives. So we see this as a massive business opportunity. It's well beyond anything we've seen with the Internet today, and I think we're just at the cusp of this whole thing starting to kick off. Darren, this is so exciting. I, I was thinking when you mentioned going up to a vending machine, and I, I love the your your word crisps and uh, other things that you might get from a vending machine, and saying that if your profile was somehow embedded and connected to the the context of that machine and of you being the consumer, the the customer of that machine at that moment in time, it could block your ability to access certain snacks from the machine. This reminds me. This always comes up, and we can get into this a little later with the. Panel, the question of, is Big Brother watching you? When you said that the vending machine can prevent you from buying something that would be against your your dietary profile or against your health needs, I'm thinking it's not Big Brother watching you, Darren. It's Mama. It's Mama watching you, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that what we got here? And that makes it friendly to me. That makes that makes Mama's at the door, Chet. Mama's at the door through that API saying, we have data, Bob, that you aren't supposed to have anything with whole milk or white flour, and we're not going to let you buy it. it. It just seems amazing to me. Anybody want to comment? I'm going to ask you all about what you're drinking, what's in your cup today, but anybody want to comment um, on, on the, um, the ethical aspects of knowing so much about people? Craig, you're quickly, your thoughts from your perch as leader of Accenture Digital Mobility in North America. What do you say? Well, I, I, I think it's both. <laughs> I think the, the benefit that we get as consumers and the benefit that our enterprises are going to get from IoT um, far outweighs um, any negative that can come from, from the information. But I do think we have to be uh, proactive in how we approach that. And I think that's going to be the key to, to making this successful. Um, and we're going to have to make sure that, uh, that ethics and, and security are at the top of uh, every list when we do IoT implementations. And I'm sure that would be true with all three of our companies that are represented today. Um, but yeah, I think great. it's very early days, and this is going to be something that we debate for, uh, for many years to come. Very, very well put. And the idea of, of ethics and security, I'm glad you brought that up because they do go hand in hand. Chet Kapoor at Apogee, thoughts on, on what we're do- talking about now? What do you think? I think it's all great. Um, okay. I think, um, I, I think we've um, learned a lot from the web. I mean, how many, how many people actually know that, you know, the checks that they actually write are being cashed, on the, cashed through the web? Right, so mm. we, we do get used to this. It's new. As with anything that's new, we're concerned, and we should be. But I think there are plenty of ways to, um, for, to have people opt in, and if they're not comfortable, opt out. And for the people that opt in, they, would, they want the prediction, they want the recommendation, and I think, it, I think, it's, I think it's phenomenal. It's, you know, that we can actually 
have devices tagged onto ourselves and actually have devices that are accessed by people and be able to give the right advice and shape the behavior as appropriate. I, I would have to agree with you. Darren Crowder, thoughts on this? I, I, I agree with, with both Chet and Crick. I think, um, you know, it represents something that at a, at a government level we have to be, you know, very careful with. I think as an individual, uh, me personally, I'm, I'm very pro having this kind of capability to be connected because I think, I think the benefits are, um, you know, tenfold. Um, if I look at, for example, uh, my, my partner, she's a cardiovascular surgeon and, um, was working on someone uh, a few weeks ago, and this, this individual uh, was informed that, for example, they were uh, uh, overweight and shouldn't have had uh, surgery. Um, and if we look back at what actually happened and the recommendations that they gave, ideally one of the things that, uh, you know, as a recommendation that they gave to this individual was this person should have stopped smoking, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very, very simple request. And I know that, you yeah. know, we start to talk about freedom and everything else that goes on. But ultimately, at the end of the day, then you ask the question about, well, if someone has surgery and it's cardiovascular and it's on the government, on the National Health Service, it's the taxpayers that are paying for it. Surely they have a right to be able to choose. If someone doesn't care about, you know, having a heart attack or not having one, then, uh, you know, it's, it's up to that individual to have some things in place that actually make them adhere to what people are trying to do in terms of good. So I think there's many different aspects of, of being ethical about, you know, all of this, Bonnie. It's a really, really big debate. Thank you. I, I didn't mean to derail our, our conversation, Darren, but I just thought it was such an interesting point that you brought up. And, and it's on people's minds. How much do I want everybody to know? And will it be used in the right way, the right context, by the right people? Uh, we're already surrounded by information about us everywhere out of control. So something to think about. Guess what? I have a very difficult question for my panel. And this is a question I ask all the panelists on all of our SAP Game Changers radio shows because we want to get to know a little more about you. So starting with Craig McNeil. Craig, what's in your cup? What are you drinking today? Where are you calling from? And if there's nothing terribly interesting, tell me what do you wish you were drinking? Craig McNeil? <laughs> okay, thanks, buddy. I love I love the question. Uh, so what's <laughs> in my cup? Well, usually coffee. Um, now, coffee might not be the most uh, unique response you've had on this segment, uh, <laughs> but anybody that knows me well knows that uh, it requires numerous cups of coffee to uh, to get me through my typical day. So um, my favorite coffee is uh, a coffee that comes from a roaster in uh, Crested Butte, Colorado, uh, which is a place that my family and I try to spend at least a week uh, every summer. Uh, and the roaster is called Camp for Coffee. And, and those of you that uh, might know rock climbing well, Camp for Coffee is a famous campsite in uh, Yosemite National Park uh, where all of the uh, rock climbers that climb the big walls in Yosemite uh, congregate, and I, I have to assume the uh, the owners in Crested Butte of Camper Coffee are, are climbers. Um, but I um, I make it there once a year and, and stock up on coffee, and I, I usually deplete my uh, my inventory within a couple of months, but uh, that's what's in my cup today. That sounds wonderful. I love the story. Thank you, Craig. You delivered. I appreciate it. Chet Kapoor. Talk to me. What are you drinking, or what are you going to drink after the show, Chad? Um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm drinking water now, but uh, what I would uh, I'm in New York, and what I would have liked to have started my day off with is uh, with is with a cup of tea that is slowly brewed um, mm-hmm. with ginger, with lemongrass, and it's actually cooked over a 20 minute period, 
and uh, then you let it cool off a little bit, and there's an ideal temperature that you drink it at, and that's how I start my day when I'm uh, when I'm in San Jose. Oh, no, that's no such, beautiful. No such luck in New York, so I'm doing with some good green, <laughs> green tea and uh, and some bottled water. Our our pace is so fast here in New York, Chad. I think you'll agree. Who has time to cook the tea for twenty minutes? But it sounds wonderful. It sounds divine. I'm glad you're with us. And Darren Crowder, where in the UK are you calling from? What time of the day or night is it, Darren? And what are you drinking? <laughs> well, it's uh, twenty five past eight in the evening. I'm calling from oh. just outside of London. And uh, yeah, staying true to my uh, British heritage, I would obviously go and opt for uh, a cup of tea well, as well, because uh, that's what I tend to do. Most of my colleagues actually pinged me and said, uh, you know, this is probably something a bit odd for me. I would normally have a Drambuie or something, but no, it's mm-hmm. a cup of tea. And uh, in line with that, I think something that people don't know about tea at the moment is uh, one of the most famous quotes out there is Monty Python. I'm sure you all know him from a comedy side. Mm-hmm. And I love the quote that he says about making tea, not war. And I think that's very apt. <laughs> very apt, not very apt. Okay, we distinguish. Thank you very much, Darren. Guess what? My panel has certainly earned a break. We're going to take about a 90-second out time. When we come back, we're going to launch into our roundtable. It'll be about 25 minutes long straight through. Here's a heads up. Craig McNeil, who leads Accenture Digital Mobility in North America, is going to be our first opener for the roundtable. And Craig, on the break, you and I'll talk about where exactly we're going to come into the conversation. Welcome, everybody who's listening. This is the debut episode of the Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. Delighted to be here. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and we'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael, out! We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. 
are, and we're back. We're on the debut of this brand new series, and my special guests today are Craig McNeil at Accenture Digital, Chet Kapoor at Apogee, and Darren Crowder at SAP. Our topic today is the Internet of Things comes to life, and we certainly have a lively panel to bring it to life. We're going to kick off a 25-minute roundtable now with Craig McNeil at Accenture Digital. And Craig, you sent me notes before the show. I'd like to go into the roundtable on the following point. You say companies need to act now for fast mover advantage. And then you add, those who hesitate could be quickly outmaneuvered by existing competitors and by new entrants, especially as industries become digitally contestable. Let's talk about that. Craig, go ahead, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's let's start with maybe the first uh, and most common sensor that everybody has in their pocket, and Chet alluded to this with the uh, with the phone, right? We all have a smartphone, mm-hmm. uh, and right now, uh, it is certainly from a consumer device perspective, it is the the most pervasive uh, device out there in the Internet of Things. So, I'll use an example um, that uh, that leverages that device of why companies have got to be fast movers, uh, and I think it's something that many of us are familiar with, but it's Uber, right? The the mm-hmm. um, the, the company that is is really giving the taxi uh, companies out there a run for their money. You and bet. If you think back to when the, um, you know, you you could liken this to the iPhone being released. You could liken this to you know maybe a year after that when Apple opened up the uh, the App Store and then Google came in with their App Store. But one of those two events or three events, you know, that happened six or seven years ago, I doubt when that event happened that the taxi companies thought, geez, in six or seven years, you know, we might be put out of business because of this. Um, but had they been innovative, had they been fast-moving, had they been making sure that they weren't going to get outmaneuvered by this new technology, these new sensors and these new devices uh, that are in the hands of everybody, um, maybe they would have been able to, uh, to do something there. And so I think that's a great example of why companies have to be overly diligent right now uh, at really being innovative, really pushing the envelope and testing their own business models, testing um, everything that they do in technology and putting it up to IoT. And there's many facets to IoT, um, but it really is worth uh, the effort to do that because uh, if they don't, they're, they're likely to be um, the, uh, the disrupted instead of the disruptors. Craig, such great points. I happen to have friends who own taxi medallions in New York. They're, they're part of their estate, you could say. You know, eventually they'll pass them along. And I'm wondering what the value of those medallions are going to be in a couple of years. They're very concerned about Uber and as a Lyft as well, but Uber being the pioneer here. So my question to you, Craig, before we invite Chet and Darren to chime in on this, on this particular great example you gave is, the taxi industry, they didn't have first mover advantage. A brand new entrant came in and said, wow, technology's here. Let's go for it. However, the reality, the way I see it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that in the taxi industry, they were busy with people screaming, you can't raise your rates. You can't charge me a surcharge. Chet knows about this. After 4.30 in the afternoon, an extra couple bucks to go from Soho up to Penn Station. Which kind of cars do we have to have our drivers? How much training do they have to have in terms of uh, – shall we say, ethics in terms of what passengers they may or may not pick up? How do we train them in terms of dealing with people with disabilities? I think they were just plain overwhelmed. And this IoT was probably, oh, well, 
nice thing. Maybe our driver will have a smartphone and they'll be able to talk to us better. What's your thought on that, Craig, about industries really being so overwhelmed with who they are that they can't see clearly to the future? Any thoughts? Well, they're all very good points, and, and they shouldn't be minimized. Uh, every every industry has real business challenges in, in being mm-hmm. competitive and staying in business today as competition exists today, right? So I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't knock anybody for that, right? But I would say you have to push the envelope, and it takes more than just being a competitor in, in anybody's industry today, right? And you can almost look at what happened to them as a compounding effect. It was really... The uh, you know the, the the Lincoln Town Car drivers that um, that you know is, is where Uber started and the demand and this and the benefit of the service was so vast that it crept and overflowed into you know the taxi environment. Um, so maybe they couldn't have seen that coming, but I would say um, any victim of of being disrupted didn't see it coming, and and that really is is the call here is uh, or the call to action is is to have. You know, everybody uh, or the strategic, you know, thinkers in a company really need to be thinking a couple layers outside of the box. Um, that's the only way to, uh, to to make sure this doesn't happen to them as well. Thank you very much, Craig. Chet Kapoor, love to hear your thoughts on this example or share some more with us. We'd love to hear more. No, this is this is actually a great example, and um, it actually applies uh, so much more to what's going to happen in the future. I think the disruption happens because I think companies and enterprises um, forget about how their customer behavior is changing. If you think about, if you think about the iPhone versus the BlackBerry, right? Um, Apple designed a beautiful product, but the most important thing is they capitalized on the fact that people wanted to listen to music, people wanted to do email, and people wanted to, you know, people wanted to access the Internet, and they wanted to make phone calls all from one device. And they made a seamless experience, and they bought it to the masses. And that's so looking at it from a customer or an outside-in perspective is what, what gets you ahead of being disrupted. And so uh, if, if, if the folks that were running the taxi companies in, in New York, you know, and then, by the way, there are many issues that you have to deal with, you're regulated and fares and things like that. But if they actually had sat down and thought about how is my customer's interaction with me changing, that by itself, that one insight would actually change or would have actually gotten them to a point where they would have started to walk the journey long before Uber had come along and actually had done things with, with Lincoln Black Cars and actually gone off and, and you know, that's disrupting you know, that and Lyft is disrupting the, ta- the taxi industry in, in, in New York. But I think that outside-in perspective, not an inside-out perspective, I think, Bonnie, you talked about it, which is manuals and training and this and that, mm-hmm. not having an inside-out view, but an outside-in view on how is the behavior of my customer changing. Capitalizing on that is one of the best ways to actually, you know, get ahead of disruptions. Thank you very much. Darren, talk to us. Taxis, or you have another example? Yeah, I think, you know, going on with what we just spoke about, um, today what we're seeing is consumers are exceptionally smart, right? Um, looking at the simple apps that we see on smart devices like um, what Amazon did when it first launched originally where you could take a barcode and you can scan it, you know, that's so last year if we look at everything that's on the market today. Uh, we're seeing a natural evolution of 
very sophisticated but very simple applications going across not just devices like smartphones, but televisions now, right? Most organizations, when you walk into a corporate today, have something like an Apple TV to allow people from an iPad to be able to project straight away onto the screen for the masses around the room. That's just the way that connectivity is being simplified. No more wires, Wi-Fi, smarter applications, and very, very importantly, the data really enabling this to happen. With all of that, we start to see disruptive models starting to take preference over traditional models, right? It's like the advent of years and years ago, we all used to get our uh, banking statements through the post. Well, there's a reason why postal organizations of the last two to three years have all been struggling because all of that mail that used to happen has disappeared, right? It's a substantial amount of revenue that they used to have. And we're seeing these new smart applications, new startups coming out, really changing the game on everything. I mean, if I think of one thing that um, I really like, that I use a lot of, it's, it's a little app called Waze, which uh, Google has now bought. They bought it for a substantial amount of money. And this is something that tackles the Goliaths that have been out there in SatNav, right? The TomToms and the Garmin's. And the key thing about it is, firstly, it provides free maps. Wherever you go in the world, it automatically does location-based services. The second thing is it allows people to connect up socially so that they can um, do very naughty things like understand where <laughs> the police are currently trapping, right? That whole connectivity, those scenarios, it really enables people to create new opportunities to build fantastic applications and really start to get to know their consumer much better than anyone else. And if we look at retailers, you know, if you can do something where you can start to be more proactive with things like couponing and uh, stop, stop being so uh, competitive with all of the different retailers in your region and really change the game so that you can drive people through your store, through the smart apps and through better coupon, couponing and being able to connect to your consumer and really understand what they're buying and their trends and their patterns and things like that, that's just going to increase the revenue and really enable people to get to know you better. And the more you get to know someone, naturally, the more people want to do business with you, right? It's the nature of business. Wow. Uh, you know, Darren, you introduced me into another topic I was just about to ask Chet Kapoor to cover that was in his notes to me, and you brought up that word, revenue, that wonderful R word. I think it's time for us to talk about what the upside is of all of this disruption and all of this. Uh, by the way, I quoted you, Darren, on, on Twitter that we're seeing a preference for disruptive new models over traditional, and that's that's getting to be the mode here. So I want to turn to Chet Kapoor and talk about something in your notes to me, Chet. Let's see if we can start quantifying this for our audience in case they're not convinced that IoT is here and it's staying and there's an upside to being a fast mover. You told me in the notes chat, you said the IoT is growing fast. And then you added IoT product and service suppliers will generate incremental revenue greater than 300. Was that billion mostly in services in 2020? Uh, chat, help me with the number. What are we talking about here? So if you, if you think about it, um, IoT, which excludes, if you just exclude PCs, tablets, and smartphones, by 2020, you're going to have 26 billion units. And uh, the prediction is that um, IoT products and now overall products and services suppliers will generate incremental revenue exceeding 300 billion. Um, and a lot, a lot of it, by the way, is, is, is services. What I mean by services is things to, things that actually take uh, data from from your IoT device itself and then actually does something with it. And I think a lot of people need to think about the opportunity 
the opportunity for businesses is, is a lot more than connectivity. It is the massive amount of data that is created, right? And so a, a recent report by Goldman Sachs uh, stated a key enabler for the IoT is the emergence of big data technologies for analytics. And this is, to your, to your point earlier, Bonnie, when you introduced the show, this is the next segment, right? And so, and, and what predictive analytics does, it enables enterprises to glean insights and, and it does it at one-tenth the cost, right? So this sophisticated analytics technology with the massive amount can da- of data can give businesses unbe- unbelievable intelligence, right, about their customers' markets and products. I think, the, I think the ROI and the business cases are being developed today, but I think the models cannot be, I think to, to Darren's point, they cannot be, they have to be disruptive in nature. They cannot follow the path that they already have. They have to start by saying, this is happening now. Let me start the journey today and actually see what the results will be because I'm going to learn a lot as I walk the path. Thank you, Chet. Darren, thoughts on what Chet just talked about? Revenue. We've got some numbers on the table now, and this is exciting. They're good numbers. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I, I, revenue is um, obviously a, a big topic for everyone that's uh, in this area. And... Um, the big thing that's starting to drive it is, you know, as, as Chet mentioned, it's all down to looking at things like data. Um, organizations out there are starting to realize that when you look at the, the social feeds that are out there, you know, the Twitters, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, uh, all of those sites that we have out there, it's not just about the fact that people are talking about what they're talking about, right? It's not just about them having a profile. It's very much about sentiment analysis understanding how you can build the next car even better or offer a, a new service or, or a new capability. And that's resulting in totally different uh, revenue models coming about, right? We're seeing this whole thing now of crowdfunding where people come together and, and you know, communities uh, put some money in on stakes on the game and, and build out new ideas and, and new capabilities to, to uh, make things that they think are important for their community come alive. And we're even seeing that actually run internally in companies as well. So I know, for example, the, the, the place that I'm at right now, we have several development projects where we're looking to actually do this, right? Where there's things that uh, you might find, for example, that uh, certain management might not like the idea that you have. Well, you know what? You don't have to stick with that. If you can get people that can actually come together, collaborate, communicate, you can actually drive your own revenue model, your own interest. You can start your own idea and you can make that happen. So I think there's tons of opportunity, again, in, in, in the way that we look at revenue, right? There's different sharing models, there's different licensing models. Um, people are looking at being very, very creative. It comes down to the whole concept, again, of being disruptive. The way that we see things, the way that we pay for things, it's all starting to change. And I think if we look towards things like gaming platforms, right, all of our kids mm-hmm. playing on things like Xboxes and stuff like that, Simple concepts like how they buy and sell coins and how this, you know, provides new services to the user. Just to do simple things like, uh, you know, add on uh, a, n- a new way that the person looks in the game or whatever. This is all taking off, right? The, these guys out there that are software startups are making millions and millions of, of revenue through providing very, very simple ideas that people just like and get on with. Thank you, Darren. Craig McNeil, love to have you jump in on this. Any other examples or what what your numbers, what do you see at Accenture Digital in terms of revenue numbers? Where are we? Well, I, I probably can't comment on the revenue number. Okay. <laughs> but I certainly, Sorry. I certainly, I certainly would like to address the revenue comment, and I think it's an excellent one. 
Um, I'm really glad to hear it, quite frankly, because I think there's so many new technologies and so many hyped technologies that come online uh, and, and come into the you know to the technology industry, and they are really for cost savings, and and that's where people start. And I see a lot of chatter in in the uh, in the technology space around IoT as as being a cost takeout measure. And, and by all means, I think there's plenty of opportunity, and we've worked with plenty of clients to you know, remove paper from business processes uh, using IoT, and, and we, you know, help save lots of money. But, but Chet's right, you know, the, this is a revenue play. It is purely a revenue play, and that is what's really going to drive IoT forward. I'll give you just a, a one quick example here. We work with a client uh, where we've helped them um, put some diagnostic equipment on some of the, you know, engines and machinery that they sell to their customers. And um, and we collect a lot of data on on that, and, and we do analytics on that data, and that allows us to predict when uh, parts are going to fail. And and you might think it on the cover that okay, that's great because you you save their customer money, uh, you give them a better user experience, and that is all true. But the reality is, when you can predict when a part is going to fail, you can uh, fill the supply chain with that inventory so that a dealer near that person or that customer um, has that part in stock when that part fails. And that is a multi-billion dollar revenue upside for them. So the, the project and, and uh, you know, the IoT implementation, from their perspective, while it does save money, uh, the real driver there is revenue. And, and the, revenue far, you know, the revenue increase far outweighs the, uh, you know, the decrease in cost. So I, I think it's an excellent point and, and one that we should underscore heavily. Thank you very much, Craig. Guess what? We're going to go to break in about three minutes, but I just wanted to touch on something in, in Darren's notes here. Darren, uh, we talked in the beginning. I asked Chet Kapoor at Apogee to talk about APIs and define them, and he gave us a wonderful definition about the door and the data. Uh, you have said here in your notes to me, Darren, the Internet of Things could never happen without APIs and API management. So I'd just like you to underscore that comment and just share with us your thoughts on API management, and then we're going to go to break in about three minutes. Minutes. Go ahead, Darren. Sure, happy to do that, Bonnie. I think, um, you know, if you look at where we are today with being able to try and connect not just, you know, one proprietary device to one kind of connectivity or medium, what we need to be able to do is to really open things up. If we look at telcos, for example, telcos are now trying to drive various different models to entice the consumer to stay with them because you know, data and, and, and voice at that level it has just become a commodity. Data is something they can charge for, but being able to drive new revenue streams on top of that is what becomes paramount to them. To be able to do that, the consumers and the corporates are smart. They don't want to be locked in. They don't want to have a contract that says, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not flexible and I can't do what I want. So people out there are really saying, I need flexibility. To be able to have flexibility, to be able to access the key features of a network out there, you need to have an open, standardized way to be able to get in and get out securely. And this is where API management comes in. So APIs are fundamental to actually enabling everything that we see in front of us to actually happen. It's a critical piece of the entire jigsaw picture. Thank you. Chet, I know you want to comment on this. Agree with Darren? Uh, yeah, how could I not comment on this? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I saved time for you. Go ahead. Uh, so um, the answer is yes. I, I know, and and Darren have very well articulated uh, the, the the piece that I say is wherever you see a device, I see an API, right? Because a device by itself 
um, is not very meaningful unless it actually communicates with something else. And then the next step after that is once it communicates, when you have the data, what do you do with it? So um, I think APIs, uh, API management and doing things like big data predictive analytics is a very critical part of, uh, of making IoT very successful. Thank you. And Craig, I want to get your words of wisdom here before we go to break. I have one minute to go, so talk to me, Craig McNeil. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll be quick. Well, I, I agree with both Darren and Shed. I mean, APIs are, are core to Accenture strategy and how we approach digital uh, projects and, and digital outcomes with our clients. Um, you know, the ability to get access to that data from the device is the only thing that, that you know, renders material value. Um, the device and the data... Uh, without being able to talk to one another, uh, you, you can't analyze anything, you can't compute, you, you really can't do much, and, and APIs are, are the key to that. So, um, so I would agree uh, with, with both the statements. And, you know, I think we, we predict if it's not already there, 100% uh, of our digital work in the future will require uh, APIs. There, there's just no way to work without it. Thank you very much. Guess what? We are bumping up against a break. I'm going to give you all 90 seconds to take a sip of whatever you've got. Uh, Darren, you're still on the air, and I know it's nighttime there, so be careful. When we come back, we're going to start out with Craig McNeil at Accenture Digital, and we're going to ask Craig, Craig, if we fast-forwarded to the year 2020 or whatever year you can see in the crystal ball that I know you have sitting on your desk, I can almost envision it from here, what would we be saying about the Internet of Things comes to life. How far ahead will we be? And if you don't like 2020, tell me another year or day or month or week or minute when you can see through clearly blue sky in that crystal ball. And then we will ask Chet Kapoor at Apogee for his predictions and Darren Crowder. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to the debut episode, and it's an exciting one, of the Internet of Things with Game Changers presented by SAP. We'll be right back. Michael out. <music> We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's our crystal ball predictions round. We're going to start off with Craig McNeil, who I know is just eager to get started on predictions. Craig, crystal ball, I know you have one. You found it. You polished it off. How far into the future can you see predictions for the Internet of Things? Talk to me, Craig McNeil. Sure, Bonnie. Well, that's tough. It's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of change that's going to happen with the Internet of Things. If you... If you look back 20 years ago and you look at what was happening with the World Wide Web and you looked at the threats that it was posing to businesses, um, you know, they were pretty, they were pretty big and, and, um, and they meant a lot to, you know, to businesses. And I think we can look back and see that many businesses were transformed because of the Internet, because of the Web. I think you take that transformation and, and multiply that by a minimum of an order of magnitude and, and maybe three or four. I, I think that's the type of change that's going to happen um, in the coming years with IoT. And I think because of that, uh, such, such, such many orders of magnitude, it is be, you know, very difficult to predict it. So let, let, me, let me break it down like this and, and maybe just shoot for 2020. Um, 2020 mm-hmm. seems very far out there, but it's only six years away. Yep. Um, and if we look that far uh, into the, the crystal ball, I think you're going to see um, a couple different things. If you look at the consumer side, I think you're going to continue to see really intelligent devices. Um, those devices are going to do more and more things, uh, and we're going to find more and more needs to, um, to work with those devices. Um, if you look on the enterprise side, I think there's a lot more ground to cover on the enterprise side. So I think... You know, we're going to be using companies like uh, like Chet's company, Apogee, quite a bit to get access mm-hmm. to that data. I think getting access to that data, you know, does take longer, uh, and it's going to be, you know, a uh, a more uh, involved process to get, you know, the, the enterprises uh, really on the IoT and 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 really, you know, up to that value that we we can also easily see right now. And, and the reason for that is it, it is challenging, right? If you look at the what it takes to uh, to do the coordination of uh, auto discovering devices, provisioning those devices, you know, pushing software to those devices, and then maintaining those devices, and then once you've done all that, then you're performing analytics on on the data that come off of those devices. That's what's really needed to drive real value, and I think some industries are going to be uh, catalyzed to do that quicker than others. Um, but I think by 2020, what we're probably seeing as far more super intelligent devices that do both the sensing and the analyzing. And that may be more, uh, you know, slanted towards the, the consumer industry. And I think on the enterprise industry, I think we're going to see phenomenal gains, um, you know, lots of gains in efficiencies. But I think it's going to be some time after 2020 when you can plug a sensor in and, um, and have a platform pick up that sensor regardless of where that sensor was manufactured, regardless of what part of the world you're in. And that has to do um, with something that we haven't touched on much, which is open standards. And that is mm-hmm. something that is still being debated uh, quite fervently in the industry. And uh, I think everybody agrees that open is, is probably better, um, but with open comes a, a lot of discussion and, and things that aren't worked out in the industry today. And so the faster that stuff gets ironed out, the faster I think we'll see this truly seamless, uh, you know, Internet of Things that, that I think we all uh, aspire to make happen. Um, but I'm not sure we'll totally be there uh, by 2020. So that's my, my quick prediction. 
Thank you very much, Craig. Really appreciate it. Good thoughts. And let's turn to Chet Kapoor. We've been talking about you, API. So talk to me from your perspective at Apogee. Can you look ahead in the crystal ball to 2020, or do you have a different favorite time in the future, Chet? I um, um, I would actually not take 2020. It's the year of the rat. So I would prefer 2021, <laughs> which is um, the, the year of the year of the goat, and it gives me one extra year over what Craig had to say. So um, let me take a stab at this. I think um, I think the one thing that we've not talked about today that we cannot underestimate, and as 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 you know, with Darren, Craig, and myself all being software folks, we cannot we cannot forget that the the two key enablers of IoT is the drop in the cost of sensors and the proliferation of cheap processing. Right? I mean that it, it needs to get chips need to get a lot cheaper, and by the way, the cost of sensors need to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper so that it can they can get embedded all over the place. And I think. That, by the way, is going to be a key enabler to this happening everywhere, right, to whether you're, whether you're putting it in your shirt or putting it somewhere else. But outside of that, we think, um, I, I think the killer combination, again, back to the enterprise point of view, is actually taking the IoT data, um, obviously, you know, APIs, IoT data, and then predictive analytics, to put it all together to be able to predict customer behavior and change the app behavior, this is, I believe, the only way that digital businesses will be successful because they have to, they just have to deliver the right experience on the right device at the right time. And that by itself is very hard to do if you're just collecting data or if you're just having your devices communicate. What you have to do is actually add predictive intelligence to it to make that happen because I think customers are going to expect that from businesses. They're going to expect to get the right offer on the right device at the right time. And we are not going to, we are in, in seven years, we're not going to have just one device. We're going to be carrying seven, eight, nine devices and mm. getting the right experience at the right time is going to become super important. So Thank I you, think Chet. It's a very, very bright, very, very bright future out there. And, uh, and we need to just make sure that we get the right combination of things. Otherwise, we're going to have, um, otherwise we're not going to get the success we need. It sounds exciting and it sounds heavy if we have to carry seven or eight devices. So I'm going to say, wow, it's a heavy topic, but I didn't go there. Darren Crowder, I saved exactly two minutes for you to close with your predictions and then I need to close the show. Darren Crowder, predictions, go. Two minutes, no more. Thanks, Bonnie. Well, I think, um, I think we'll see more and more disruptive models coming out. I think what we've seen today is really the tip of the iceberg. If we look at uh, history and what we learn you know, from the last few years, We've seen organizations where we've had things like camera films uh, from organizations like Kodak where they no longer exist today and they were a household name. You know, in the blink of an eye, they're gone. This is something that's just going to really kick off in a big way. Um, Some of the examples that you've heard from Chet and from Craig are stellar examples of what we see in the way that we do things. For example, going back to Craig talking about agriculture, that's going to be massive, right? We have a big problem with food shortage across the world. We've got to get smarter with how we predict what we're, what we're doing in terms of agriculture. So Internet of Things, connectivity, productivity around how a farmer can seed and sow more efficiently is going to be the order of, of, of the next few years that we're going to focus in on. I think besides that, we're going to start to see people's bodies being more connected, possibly looking at things like implants that are smarter, that are more connected, that have that kind of wearable capability. You know, it may not necessarily be something that's directly in the body. It may be something that's on the outside. 
we already see organizations out there like companies like uh, Under Armour, for example, that can have technology that actually within the T-shirt or the fabric can really understand how you're currently sweating, how mm-hmm. uh, you're maneuvering, and really improve your technique in sporting capabilities, right? This is already available today. This is going to become more and more uh, ready for the mainstream. More and more people will just start to wear it and start to use it. I think we'll start to see more and more startups out there. Um, some brands that we're used to will disappear. More startups will come about embracing cloud and IoT. We'll start to see more developing countries developing newer ideas just because they can, because naturally we see a capability versus, you know, first world countries where we have infrastructure. In third world countries, they typically only have mobile infrastructure mainly, and they do everything on the device already. So they come out of school understanding a mobile telephone, whereas in our world, we're using a multitude of devices. Typically, Mm -hmm. it slows us down a little bit, and I think they've got an advantage in the way they can start to think and build these smart applications. In terms of revenue streams, I reckon... Darren, fast. 10 seconds. Be the big 10 stick. seconds. 10 Go seconds. ahead. 10 seconds. Yep. More integrated smart devices. And I think we'll start. We'll find, ultimately, we've got a Find My Phone app right now. I think mm-hmm. we'll have a Find My Missing Sock app because I can never find it when it's in the washing machine somewhere. <laughs> oh, that, that's an age-old issue. If IoT can solve that, we'll all be grateful. Thank you, Darren. Thank you to my great panelists today. What a great kickoff to our new series, Internet of Things with Game Changers. Craig McNeil at Accenture Digital. Thank you, Chet Kapoor at Apogee. Thank you, Darren Crowder. Thank you for being on the panel and for sponsoring this series. A shout-out to Ira Burke, who's been tweeting. Uh, I have to do a shout-out to Shubra Sinha, to Molly Williams, to Sandra Escher, Malcolm Kimberlin, and Michael and the Business Channel team. You all came together and put this together with us. We appreciate it. Tomorrow is Thursday. I'll be live on the air 10 o'clock Eastern with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Then we start our season, we start our, our sequence all over again. Monday is HR Trends with Game Changers. Tuesday is Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Wednesday, another doubleheader coffee break with Game Changers, followed by the Customer Edge with Game Changers. And next Thursday, the Future of Business. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. What a great debut to our new series. Thanks all for listening. Tell someone about us. We're on the business channel. Just look for the little coffee cup logo and find all 10 SAP radio series. What can I tell you? Everybody, here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.